Kia ora and welcome to Tech Bytes. I'm Craig Young, CEO of Turns, and once a month I sit down with a digital leader and have a chat about things that are important at the time. This month I'm talking with Melissa Lee, who is currently the opposition spokesperson for communications, about her background and where she'd like to see things going. I hope you enjoy this session. Well, kia ora everybody and welcome to this month's Tech Bytes. It's great to be back. Um, having had a, a month overseas, um, I would say that I do like coming back to New Zealand and as much as we poke fun at some of our uh, issues like uh, mobile coverage, I would say that um, while it's not perfect, there are other countries where it's not quite as good either, actually. Um, quite surprising, and uh, Melissa's here on the call, but um, so I'm just going off the track a little bit, but the main road between Belfast and Dublin, which are the two biggest cities on Ireland, um, certainly has some points along that road where you can't get any coverage. So look, let me start with uh, introducing Melissa, Melissa Lee. Um, Melissa is the MP for, actually I've gone and lost that one. Where are the MP for, Melissa? I'm a list MP based in Auckland, looking after the Mount Albert electorate. Oh, there you go. Well, why don't you, why don't we just crack into it? Why don't you um, introduce yourself, including just a little bit about your role as an MP? Uh, well, hi everyone. Uh, thank you, Craig, for the invitation to have a have a conversation here. Um, well, I'm a list MP. Um, this is my fifth term um, in Parliament, and uh, I was first elected in 2008. Um, and I currently hold the portfolios of um, broadcasting and media, uh, digital economy, communications, ethnic communities. So uh, quite busy and quite diverse portfolios, but. Um, there are some bits that I absolutely love. And, you know, your issue in terms of the black spots, hey, we need to actually fix that, eh? Oh, wouldn't that be great? I've just driven down from Auckland, actually, to Wellington. And even then, even now, there are spots where you go, hang on, this ought to be okay in, in our first world nation. Look, we're going to talk about some other things, but can we, um, you know, the, the, the topics of these tech bites is often around the individual we're talking to. So um, what about a little bit, did you talk a little bit about your time before becoming an MP? I know that you came to New Zealand as a young young adult. Um, and so what what drew you to New Zealand and, and why did you stay here? Well, I think you are, you just aged me because I'm going to have to talk about when I arrived here. Uh, <laughs> I arrived and became a New Zealand um, citizen, uh, well, New Zealand resident back in 1988. So I've immediately sort of given away my age. Um, and uh, at the time, um, I, okay, I'll go back. I, I was originally born in Korea, and my parents actually uprooted my brother and I to uh, give us an international sort of experience, and they moved us um, to Malaysia. Mm. Uh, I, I didn't realize Malaysia was the international sort of experience, but absolutely loved growing up in Malaysia, spent my primary years and secondary years in Malaysia. Um, learned Bahasa Malaysia, spoke Chinese, um, spoke uh, Tamil at the time as well. And then, you know, in the in the Malaysian school system, you know, you had to speak Bahasa Malaysia. And then my parents decided that maybe that wasn't the best idea. We needed to sort of, you know, um, expand our horizons and we needed to be um, taught in English. So they moved us to an international school. And after um, high school, uh, when I got to fifth form, my parents decided to actually sort of export me out to a different country. And that ended up, cut the long story short, that ended up, I ended up in Australia, finishing my high school and university and going to university. And while I was at, at university, my parents decided, hang on a minute, both of our children are studying in Australia. Why are we still in Malaysia? Maybe we need to consider moving to Australia. So they came for a visit. And they really hated Australia. Um, they thought Aussies were rude. 
uh, it was too dry, too hot. And they actually happened to have like, you know, some friends in New Zealand and they came to visit New Zealand, absolutely fell in love with it. And typical Korean family, when parents decide that they're going to move, uh, we, you have no choice but to actually say, yes, mom, yes, dad. And so my parents decided for my brother and I that we were moving to New Zealand. And hence we moved and became New Zealand residents in 1988. So that's the beginning of my journey in New Zealand. When I first got here, hated it because I was living in Melbourne, uh, you know, lying on street lifestyle as a university student. You could go to, you know, a cafe, have coffee, pizzas, you could afford it. And, you know, you, you had amazing service and you come to New Zealand and you don't even get decent coffee. Um, I think the best we could do at the time was Nescafe or Greg's, right? Oh, gosh. Yeah, before, yeah. before flat whites. And then, you know, you couldn't get decent pizza here either. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was, it was, it was the bad old days of the, of the 80s. Yeah. And then, and then things have changed in New Zealand. We're so diverse and we have amazing coffee and amazing food choices now. So oh, I think yeah. it's beautiful. Um, so why did I uh, choose to stay here? Well, that's this is where my parents actually brought us as kids. Um, and, um, you know, and I got my master's here and, you know, I got married, got divorced, had a child while I was married, you know, and, um, you know, so I have a Kiwi child. Uh, I'm now a Kiwi. I've been a New Zealand citizen for, gosh, um, how long have I been here? 34 years now. Mm. Uh, I have a similar story, but certainly not as international as that. My my parents dragged me from Palmerston North to Rotorua to Christchurch to back to Palmerston North. So <laughs> not, not quite the international career that you've had. <laughs> hey, well then you're in New Zealand, you're a young adult, you gotta think about a career. Um, so you obviously did something before heading to Parliament. Yes. So and where was the, your career heading then? Well, when I first got to New Zealand, I I I was, you know, I had done a um um my university studies were in journalism and public relations. And I, you know, I always um yeah, I always wanted to be a journo. And my uncle was a, an award-winning journalist and um, wanted to, and my grandfather, my, sorry, my great-grandfather owned a newspaper in Korea as well. And so um, I don't think many people actually know that, mm -hmm. um, but I don't think I've ever talked about it. But I, yeah, I started my career as a journalist. Um, I've, um, I got um, um, a job at um, News Media Auckland uh, writing for Sunday News, and I was a news reporter. So, you know, uh, tabloid. Um, I was going to say, know, Sunday News was a high-quality newspaper, wasn't it? It was, back then, 120 <laughs> pages. <laughs> and then plus some more. Yeah, uh, yeah and uh, those were the good old days of page three girls or whatever. I didn't feel quite comfortable about the no. page three girls, but uh, the news was actually very good in the sense that I remember Harold always actually following up our stories from Sunday. So, I mean, it, it was actually a good paper. Uh, we, did, we, we were very proud of the journalism that we actually did back then. Mm. Mm. And then from there, after five years at Sunday News, I uh, TVNZ was starting a new television show called Asia Dynamic. And mm. uh, um, cut the long story short, I got hired as the presenter and reporter. Um, uh, after a couple of years, I actually sort of didn't agree with the direction of the program because I felt that we needed to be not just a um, window into the culture and just do like, you know, lip service to the ethnic communities. But I, I felt that it, we needed to start, tackle some serious issues, you know, everything from domestic violence within yeah. the community, um, uh, the racism, all of that stuff needed to be handled. And uh, I put a competing proposal um, um, to TVNZ, I guess, technically. Um, um, so we actually won it against TVNZ. Oh, wow. 
So if we go back, if we go onto YouTube and Google, we'll find some clips with Melissa Lee as, as a, a presenter. Something. Yes, yes. And then I owned the company, uh, and uh, I I was producing it. I had initially hired a producer to do it because I felt that it was, you know, and then I yeah. sort of directed and, you know, and uh, also produced a show as well. So, yeah, no, I was there. Um, so I began my TV career in 1994. My uh, newspaper reporting was back in 1989 to 94. From 94 till uh, um, um, the literally, um, you know, uh, 2008, I was yeah. in television. Mm. So, so then why go into Parliament? I mean, let's face it, it's not a particularly easy place to be, and we'll talk about your uniqueness in a moment, <laughs> but what what made you decide to put your name forward? You know, you know somebody actually, I, the, this is a question lots of people ask me, um, but the thing is that, you know, uh, Korea is actually quite a, a political country, you know, uh, in, in that, you know, you compete to become class president. So my political career began from uh, grade one. Yeah. And, you know, I campaigned to be class president. And when the teacher um, asked, you know, I, I think it's probably the most awful question that a teacher could ask children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, uh, you know, I uh, all my friends basically, you know, they were doctors and firemen and police officers and teachers and all, all variety of uh, careers. And I was the shortest kid in class with the loudest voice, class president, who mm. actually said, I'm going to be the first female president of South Korea. And, you know, our boys, uh, there was a, several boys, but the one who was actually next to me who actually said, girls can't be president. Oh. Yeah, he went home with a black eye. Oh. Okay. <laughs> But I was involved with student politics. Um, while I was um, studying in um, Australia, I, I was the president of the Overseas Student um, Council. Um, uh, we lobbied the Australian government to um, um, better look after, you know, um, the overseas students who were paying humongous fees to study in Australia. Um, so that was a pretty good achievement. And then when I moved to New Zealand, um, I was involved with the Korean Association. Um, um, held uh, offices as vice chair, also the Women's Association, Korean Women's Association. So I was sort of, in, you know, involved mm. in that community politics. But, you know, but in the background, uh, because I was a journalist, I never signed up to um, the National Party because I didn't think it was actually fair. Uh, as a journalist, you always feel like you need to be balanced and at least not appear to be uh, biased. And I think I did everything to try and make sure that I wasn't biased. Yeah. And that probably meant that I was harder on the national uh, ministers or uh, national MPs whenever I was doing um, interviews with them. And the you know, national party people probably thought that I was, I was not a national person, but the party machinery actually knew I was national because uh, I was helping some MPs in the background. Like, you know, my, uh, mentor and former colleague, uh, Pansy Wong, you know, for her okay. campaign in 1996, it was the first time, you know, an Asian person was elected to New Zealand House of Representatives. I remember going down to Christchurch and actually, you know, uh, helping her campaign and supporting her before she got elected and after. And um, I was approached um, by the National Party and said, you know, you should you should stand. Mm -hmm. And then um in 1998, I had a baby and I didn't think it was possible for me to actually stand, you know, for the 99 election. So I sort of delayed my entry into uh, Parliament till 2008. Hey, look, I, I don't think it would be unfair to say that you are quite unique in your caucus. Um, you're a woman of Korean birth. 
Um, and but then I read in your uh, bio that there's some significant firsts uh, that are in your career. So can you tell us a little bit about what those well, are? When I got elected, I was told by the Korean embassy that I was the first Korean woman in the world outside of Korea to be elected into a legislature. So uh, apparently I'm the first Korean woman. Um, there, There is the, and the first, which is a, a male, a Korean man who was elected to the um, um, House of Congress, uh, to the Congress in the United States. He, um, he served a couple of terms, uh, but I was the first Korean woman to be elected outside of Korea, apparently. So that's pretty cool. There you go. Certainly the, the first Korean woman in the National Party caucus anyway. <laughs> yeah, and the first Korean woman to actually present television in New Zealand as well. Oh, there you go. Look at you and all those firsts. Um, now let, let's just, I mean, let's talk about the areas of interest that you have at the moment. So um, communications and broadcasting is one of those. Um, obviously, we've worked together on those over the years. I mean, is there something, a personal event or experience or that's driven your interest in those spaces um, you know, as, as an MP? Well, obviously for the uh, portfolio for broadcasting and media, because I come from broadcasting and media background, I guess I do have an understanding and knowledge. Um, so I think um, that's the reason why I was actually given the portfolio, I'm presuming. And obviously, you know, with the current climate where RNZ and TVNZ is actually merging by the government, you know, I, I just I, I just despair because, I mean, in the current climate where there's a cost of living crisis, that the government is actually spending, you know, um, $370 million over the next three years to merge the two entities. And I, I say, what's the problem, you know, they're trying to solve? You know, mm -hmm. TPNZ exists perfectly well on its own as a commercial entity with no funding from government, no direct funding from government. Um, you know, Radio New Zealand is completely funded by government, completely different environment um, as in the, you know, for, for the entities, you know, very different cultures within TVNZ and RNZ, and they're just going to merge the two entities to create this massive giant public media entity, and the minister claims that there's not going to be a single redundancy except for the two CEOs who are actually obviously having to be made uh, redundant because the two entities are leaving, you know, mm -hmm. going and disappearing. So I, I just don't see it. And, you know, I, I all I see is pain, actually. Um, and um, it's got to be done by um, March the 1st and, you know, um, established, uh, fully established by July 1st next year, well before the election. So it's got, it's a foregone conclusion that it's going to be established. So it's it's something that I'm going to have to fix. Hmm. Uh, in terms of communications, I guess digital economy, hey, you know, it, the, fu the future is here. And I think, you know, we're, uh, as you said, you know, we do better than other countries when it comes to connectivity in terms of mobile services. But, you know, there are plenty more that they can do. And I think the investment that national government actually um, um, put down initially to deliver UFB right across New Zealand, I think that was visionary. Uh, but, you know, I think the lack of lack of funding and, you know, um, follow up from the current government actually means that we still have a lot of communities who are actually lacking in service, particularly in the rural areas. And, you know, when I travel and do public meetings, you actually hear terrible stories. You know, I, I have, you know, I, I went to a public meeting in Roxborough um, a couple of weeks ago and, you know, we had emergency services where, you know, the St. John's Ambulance as well as the fire service, you know, who are actually telling us stories about how, you know, they get to a fire and their mobile phones don't work, you know, to call for assistance or extra, um, you know, support. And, you know, it's almost like they need to actually get on 
their radio to call up to the top of the hill and from the top of the hill somebody else to do it. It's like it's like a phone tree, but not using their radio, you know, but it, mobile phones don't work. You know, I think that's a major problem, especially when, you know, you go to town townships like, you know, um, oh gosh, out on the West Coast, um, where when you have the civil defense um, mobile alerts and that, you know, a lot of the towns on the West Coast don't even get that alert. And I think that is a major issue when you have a tsunami coming and you have a huge amounts of population that don't actually get the warning. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's um, look into the future. And let's, <laughs> let's assume that, um, you know, the next government has a Minister for Communications, Digital Economy called Melissa Lee. Um, what are some of the tangible I know, goals that you'd personally be keen to see um, come to fruition if you were in that position to be able to make those decisions? Oh, you're doing this really, really sneakily, aren't you? Yeah, Trying I am. Mean. To actually give you our, our election, election, election. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to be... You can speak personally rather than, than <laughs> as a politician. Then How about that? Yeah. No, you're trying to get me to give you secrets. Uh, well, obviously, election uh, policies will be announced next year, um, at closer to the election. But, you know, look, I, I, you know, COVID has actually meant that, you know, showed a lot of people that, you know, when you can't get to your workplaces to work, but you have to work from home, connectivity uh, was the need and you know and you, you need really really good connectivity for people to run their businesses to educate your children to to communicate with your families that are around the world that you can't actually see because they're not allowed to travel into New Zealand and so connectivity you know the goal uh, standard is hasn't been achieved by the government and you know there is disparities in New Zealand where you know some parts of New Zealand you can have amazing connectivity and some parts you actually don't and I think we need to improve um, those bits that are actually not um, connected very well you know and I, ju I just think you know we need to be better than what we are now so that okay. would be something that I would be uh, wanting to fix and actually deliver okay Maybe we'll have another conversation in 12 months' time as well. See so what's on the table at the time. I might be able to give you a little bit more. When <laughs> um, well, um, I just want to finish up with, I want to go back to you as a as an individual, as a a, um, a unique person in a unique environment. We know that, um, you know, from all sorts of research that we have, we've got an issue around diversity and inclusion in, in technology and in your caucus, by the way. But anyway, come back to, we're just talking technology at the moment. Um, got any tips, thoughts about how we can better foster the tech industry? Um, and even even uh, any words of encouragement for uh, young women of uh, different ethnicities, et cetera, on how to break through? Uh, sure. Uh, let me address the issue of the diversity of the National Caucus. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the lack of diversity is actually not by choice. I think it is actually uh, uh, delivered by the votes of New Zealand, because last term, we were the most diverse caucus in Parliament. And so the fact that we lost the election in such a dramatic way that we actually lost the diversity, I think that let me just put it that way. Okay. I miss cool. my diverse uh, caucus, you know, I have actually because of the election result. Uh, so the answer is you need to vote national next time round to actually uh, make sure that we have uh, better diversity. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm electioneering. Um, the other thing is, I think, look, I mean, when I was at, um, you know, at, at a recent uh, tech um, cybersecurity forum, I mean, there were plenty of um, 
you know, people that I actually met of different cultures as well as um, our women um, represented. But the thing is that, you know, I think it needs to start right at the beginning. You know, one of the things that I really despair is, is the fact that school system do not actually encourage STEM subjects. And, and the fact that, you know, um, although everybody knows that, you know, oh, yeah, you actually give children iPads and they actually know how to actually operate it. And, you know, they're, they're pretty good on the computer. And but, but the thing is that who's actually teaching them to actually advance those those skills? And I think I think our curriculum probably needs to actually change to actually equip our children for the future or future that is here now. Yeah. And we're not actually producing enough children uh, to the cap capacity and the capability that we actually require the skill sets to be um, in the in the workplace currently. And I mean, you know, at, at the moment, I mean, you know, what every day we have more than, you know, if you look at SEEK or whatever, there's more than 3000 ICT jobs available, and we're having to one, we need to import them. And we can't import them because the immigration, you know, um, framework means that we can't actually easily hire those people from offshore as well. But the thing is that we should be able to produce those skill sets here in New Zealand, and we're not doing that. So we need to future proof that. So I think the education system really needs to actually pull finger and actually sort of do mm. that. That's one aspect. And and encourage young women and, you know, uh, grow the diversity from right, right at the beginning, I think, is what we actually need. Yeah. Because often, you know, when you actually think of tech, you sort of, tend to think, you know, people who are, you know, slightly geeky and, you know, who are really good with numbers and who are techie, you know, gets into this thing. And I've met amazingly funky um, tech people. And I think you need to promote yourselves, you know, and um, um, do cool um, um, events where pe kids can actually get encouraged and say, hey, this is amazing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Hey, thanks so much. Hey, look, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you. Got any last comments or thoughts you'd like to share? With, um, with people that will be watching this? I think, you know, innovation is the key for us, uh, us to actually grow uh, New Zealand's economy. And I think, we, you know, uh, I can actually guarantee that I'm here to support you. And, you know, I, I need um, and what I want to do is actually make sure that the communications channel um, between government and the people who actually do the work uh, is actually open and always be able to take advice and take, yeah. you know, um, suggestions and good ideas so that we, you know, because government doesn't know how to do these things, right? Government should be able to uh, create a framework um, in government regulations so that it is free for the business people to actually go and do their thing. We should not be the employers or actually prevent you from doing what you do best. So I can actually say that that is my goal uh, I, that's what I see as my role. And if I become the minister next year, that's what I can actually say. That's what I'll do. Oh, cool. Well, thank you once again, Melissa, for taking time out of what is obviously a very busy uh, time. I mean, the house is sitting at the moment. So um, um, once again, um, thank you. And uh, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in. If, you, uh, if you're watching this and you want to listen again, it'll be on all our podcast channels and on our website and uh, with, with a range of other people that have done this session as well. So, um, Melissa, thank you. And um, we'll be talking again soon. Thank you.